you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. And this is your How to Bet NBA Props episode. We're going to talk about how to bet NBA props nightly throughout the season. The process, the approach, the way to decipher all of this information to find the best way to bet NBA props. And this is going to be a great episode for me in particular because I'm absolute dog shit at betting NBA props. So I'm very excited to have on... Two, my very good buddies over at the Action Network. You can find them in the Action Network app. They are kings of the props. We've got Jim Turvey at Turvey Bets on Twitter and in the Action Network app. And Joe Delara at Joe Delara because he's boring as shit on Twitter and in the Action <laughs> Network app. These guys are joining me on Labor Day, so I really appreciate them uh, being willing to record with me on the day that we've chosen not to work in this country. Uh, so I appreciate them taking the and joining me on the uh, holiday. Before we get started, I do want to let you know that everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. You get up-to-second information where the bets and money are coming in on. You get all sorts of cool information. Uh, you also get this podcast along with Big Bets on Campus, which, oh boy, those guys gave out some great, great picks. I tailed Colin on the picks this weekend in college football, and they were absolutely dynamite. So make sure to check that out. NFL starts this weekend. This week, you want to get on Action Network Podcast, as well as want to let you know you need to check out the favorites, okay? The favorites are hosting a pick contest, one of the usual contests, five games against the spread every week. The winner is going to get forty grand. they are giving away over $100,000 in prizes, and it's free to play. Go check it out. Go listen to the favorites and find that that over there. Join the contest. I'm in it. I'm not eligible to win money, but I'm going to win it. I'm not <laughs> true. But I'm hopeful to be able to, to compete in it. It should be a good time. Make sure to check out the Pick'em Contest from the favorites. Oh, one more thing. Go to YouTube.com slash Action Network. Go check out our YouTube page. Like and subscribe. Go check out. Find us on YouTube. You can catch a version of the show, a video version of the show. If you're curious as to what my mug looks like, it's 
It's not good. But you also get to see Joe, who I also love because Joe is so <laughs> New York. Every time I podcast with him, he's wearing a tank top and a chain around his neck. And just like Joe, you, Joe, you I, I cannot pull off this look. And every single time you pop on this podcast with the hat, the tank top and the chain, it's, a, it's an immaculate look from you. I'm gonna have to send you over uh, a sponsored version of one, I think, and then see you on a uh, see you on the YouTube channel. We'll get a lot more views. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the underrated part of Joe's setup is just the treadmill that's always there, chilling. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of that treadmill. I've I've won a lot of money thanks to that treadmill. So uh, yeah, big ups to that treadmill right there. Where the process, Cardio where the magic season. happens, <laughs> is 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 on that treadmill. All right, guys. So let's go ahead and get started here with how to bet NBA props. Um, I, I've I've taken a lot of time an effort into improving my betting in NBA. I've improved on totals, especially we had dynamite year in that my sides were good last year. I've gotten a lot better, built a model, built these, these kind of things. I feel good about where my sides and total betting is at futures. Love doing futures do well. There props is a big hole in my game. I cannot for the life of me figure this out. So I thought I'd get the two of you on to help me. And I just like, Work from the ground up. I'm tearing all everything I've ever done with betting props out the window. And I want to start at the bottom with the two of you. Um, when you're trying to figure out the basics of NBA prop betting, where do you start with approaching these lines on a nightly basis? Jim, let's start with you. Yeah, so I think for me, one of the biggest things uh, is like unit management, um, because for me, and I've noticed this trend in in several seasons, but really the last the last couple, especially and and last season maybe most, I find the the beginning of the season is really the time to attack. That's when you are going to find some some really juicy numbers. You're going to find that the market just isn't as sharp. Um, some of these off season changes, we'll we'll dig into all this later, but. For me, the, the the beginning of the season, I'm, I'm that's where I'm going to be loading up on, and then I'm going to kind of just try to float my way the rest of the way because I love playing props. But it get the market gets really sharp. It is a tough market. It's a market that's getting sharper. You, there's tools and tools galore these days, and people are getting better at it. But the the beginning of the season is where I'm I'm looking to attack. I'm looking to set up this off season to really kind of dig into stuff and be ready to hit the ground running because that first. Even couple weeks, probably full month, you're still going to have a little bit of of, of, of solid edge there. But the, honestly, the first couple weeks can sometimes float you the rest of the season if if you're not able to, you know, be the person who's watching injury news every second and grabbing lines um, when stuff comes out. So the biggest thing for me is is time of year. I don't know if if Joe, you found that to be true as well. I think you're spot on there because normally a lot of people I see, they're like, oh, the season just started. I'm going to go light. I kind of have the opposite opinion. Like, I think that you need to go heavy because that's when your edge is most significant. And, you know, if you do think that you have a good edge, like if you miss that opportunity to really put maybe like two, three units where you normally are betting one, then that line is going to be gone the next game. Like you completely lost the edge. You're not going to get that same ladder opportunity. And, you know, that happens a lot of times throughout the season with injuries and like kind of understanding how teams are going to make different adjustments, right? So I think that you're spot on. I think at the beginning of the season, you know, you still need to be careful, obviously, like in terms of your overall unit management, but your edge is more significant. And I don't think that you should be going lighter just because it's the beginning of the season if you think that you have a strong edge. That's a good point, too, is that if you haven't done this in the past, it is probably you, don't, you probably don't want to hit the ground running with five unit plays. So yeah. let's make sure that, you know, you know, it's a little bit trickier to back test, um, you know, player prop models and than maybe a, a spread or a total, but but definitely if you if you're just dipping your toe in. But if you if you have done this last year and you found that you know you were 
you were pretty solid in the market, but maybe towards the second half of the season, you were struggling a little bit. I wouldn't let that deter you as much as if you're first starting on this. That that would be, I think, the riskier of the two. So if you have experience in this, and, and the biggest thing is pay attention to the offseason. Look at you know player roles that are changing, new coaching schemes, um, players who you know maybe uh, a player is leaving a team and that's opening up a gap, or very much the opposite, a player who's joining a team, and you can look at and say, that's going to eat into this person's minutes, their usage, because those unders are gold sometimes. It's really easy to kind of logic your way to an over, I think. But if you can logic your way to an under, I think there is more value in those as, as a whole. So if you can find players who are going to lose out on, on minutes, on usage, on you know a new coach that isn't going to have them as prominent in the offense, those are those are really useful to, to kind of hammer in the in the start of the season. So let's say it's Wednesday after the season starts. We got a full slate of NBA games. Okay. What's the first thing that you're looking at from a props perspective in the market, Joe? Like what's what are you starting with trying to find outliers in the lines? Are you looking at a certain tool? Are you trying to find uh, an injury edge? Where, where do you start when you look at the entire slate? What's your starting point to start finding bets? Well, a lot of times what I'll try to do is I try to look and see obviously what the games are and like which games I think are interesting. Um, because like sometimes like, you know, it's like I, I think that there's always an edge. Right. But like finding an edge in like early season, you know, like the Rockets are playing, you know, maybe like the Magic or something. That's a little bit less compelling than if, you know, the Bucks are playing the Mavericks or some game like that. So I usually try to, at least from a content perspective, like I want to give out plays and I want to look at players and angles that I think are interesting as well as, you know, that I can find an edge there. So I usually start with the most interesting games first. Um, or like if there's a particular player that like I'm really high on. So a lot of people don't watch a lot of Pacers games, but I I love Tyrese Halliburton. So I'm always looking at like what his line is and I can kind of key in on some of those things. So I think that a lot of times the superstars are hard to bet on, but if you have like a new, like a rookie or a second year player that you're really into, you can kind of follow the way that their lines progress. And that's one of the things that I like to look at too, because from, you know, if I bet on something on a Wednesday, I might remember, you know, the game before it's like, Oh, like this line moved like an assist or it moved, uh, you know, 30 cents of juice. I'm not really sure why. Let me try to look into why it is that that did that. So that's usually, the way that I'm looking at it. I'm looking at some of the players that I think off the top of my head should excel in a particular matchup. And then I'm looking to see, you know, how that line, like where it even is and whether or not it's something that I can find value in. Okay. So we're starting with the, with the, with the matchup and then what the line is. Okay. All right, Jim, how about you? You're looking at the entire Wednesday slate. What's your starting point for trying to find a, a, a play? Yeah, I think I think in the middle of the season I'm with Joe 100%. You kind of have these players and plays that you kind of, you'll you'll see a lot of recurring plays and there are just, you know, there are markets that are much slower to move than others on on a certain player. Um trying to think of some of the ones last year like when the Sixers were without Harden, um those DeAnthony Melton props were awesome and they did the books just couldn't quite adjust and I was going back to that well day after day after day. It kind of makes your job easier if you kind of have these recurring plays. Now, I'll say that it also makes it easier if you have a lot of time to pour into this stuff. But I think at the beginning of the season, you kind of want to have, you know, use this off season to kind of set up guidelines of, of you know, just it doesn't have to be the, a perfect projection, just kind of in the ballpark of what you're thinking a team's points breakdown is going to be and kind of, you know, look those over and give yourself some numbers. And then, I mean, it, it can, again, this is if you have time, it can be daunting, but kind of just go through the games with those numbers in your mind, kind of have a feel for what you want and just see if anything pops. Just do a once, once over. There's going to be thousands of props out there, right? There's going to be, 
you know, these, they can go like 10 deep on points, rebounds, and assists on, on, on in, a, in a given game. So there can be so many props that you don't have to check every single one against what your projection is. If you're off 0.4, play it. See the three or four that pop to you and like that, that looks weird. Let's look into it a little further. So if you have that baseline of prep, that's going to really be helpful for you. In terms of specific matchup stuff, I think the the key that I look at and, and something that, you know, the, the market definitely takes into account, but I think maybe is something that still isn't accounted for quite enough is pace. Um, if I see two really slow teams playing each other or two really fast teams playing each other, um, that's going to be, I'm going to be looking at either unders or overs in that game. Um, I think that's something that, you know, is is one of these multipliers. If you get two fast teams, it's, it's only going to, you know, build up and there's going to be really fast. Two slow teams, it slogs. It really, those unders are going to be pretty nice, especially early in the season. If like a coaching change, if you see a coaching change and a team that has, that was, you know, maybe at the top of the league in pace last season, and that they have a coach who's come in and really slowing things down this season, those unders are going to be potentially really strong for a while because the books are smart. They they don't overreact too much to the beginning of the season if a player, you know, starts hot from the field or something. But if you know, uh, on the on the flip side of that, say the player isn't scoring as much and the books don't want to hang the same number for the most part, slowly move it down. But you're looking and you're saying this this new coach, their pace of play is way down. They're actually shooting about the same from the field. They're just not getting as many possessions. That's something where that edge is going to last a little bit longer, potentially. Now, maybe the books will figure that out. Their sharp, sharp bettors are going to figure that out. But that's something that, that I think is maybe still overlooked a touch um, in the market. I think one of my problems has been that I'm actually too matchup focused. I'm always like trying to find this team plays this pick and roll coverage, therefore X, therefore this will lead to more or less opportunities for Z or Y player. And one of the reasons I've I've moved away from that is I noticed I was like, I would go back and, and analyze the pick and be like, was it, was I right? And it's like, yes, you were absolutely right. You're a hundred percent right. He a hundred percent did not shoot that much out of pick and roll. Unfortunately, he just scored in transition on pull-up jumpers all game long. So you still yeah. lost that under because turns out the pick and roll is not the entirety of the game. Like those little tactical things are things that I tend to hone too much in on. And I get lost in some of the noise that can happen, especially betting unders is where I feel like I've had um, not bad luck. I think bad process of ignoring like rebounds is a good example of this. Like, Oh yeah. you know, they're going to, they play a certain way. So there's going to be fewer of these opportunities yeah, but like he's also just going to pick up like a number of random rebounds on possessions. Like he's just going to randomly find his way into a number of these. Assists are the same kind of deal where it's like, yeah, the things that he does that generates a lot of assists, he's not going to do as much in this game. But guess what? He has the ball in his hands all the time because he's a good passer and he's going to find ways to pass and make those kind of plays for others. So, Joe, I think like kind of my question is I see a lot in the market of here's what this guy has done in the last 10, last 20, yeah. last 15 last five right and i'm always like yeah but those are di- versus different teams like what does it matter that he he did this versus a bad defensive team he's facing a much different one now even if it's not like a great one um but yet like i get too narrowed and tunnel visioned on these specific items how do you evaluate a matchup when trying to find value on a prop so you know like that obviously one of those tools like i use a lot of props.cash for those like trends either head to head or last 10 last 20 full season what have you right so i think that that information is super valuable not necessarily because like oh so and so exceeded their line in eight of the last 10 games they're going to do it again because that's not 
necessarily like the that's not really the process right but i think that it's interesting sometimes where you see a line where you see a chart and it's like they haven't hit this in any of their last 10 games and you're like what like what's going on like why is this the spot and i think that that leads you sometimes to those head-to-head matchups where you're like oh this is a great spot or he's performed extremely well against this player and when you mentioned rebounding that was a spot that i really was able to like hone in on last season with head-to-head rebounding with centers and i thought it was really interesting because centers are like the one position generally that they're going to kind of be playing against each other the whole game it's not as switch with you know like wing players now especially in the NBA everybody can kind of switch on to everybody you can kind of avoid matchups but the big guys like down in the paint you're going head to head pretty much the entire game so if somebody has a leg up and they perform very well in a particular matchup you know uh like one of which that I was looking at you know last year was like Rudy Gobert in certain matchups just crushed depending on who he was playing because that was a more traditional matchup for him um but if you looked at his lines maybe for the five games prior, he never even came close to that line before. So I think that, you know, using that information is important, but I think that you need to kind of look into it a little bit more and say like, all right, like it's something that I'm looking at, but is it just noise or is there a reason that this line is something that he's exceeded in like 80% of his game so far this season? It's one of the things I got a lot better at NBA betting when I started betting the number instead of betting the teams as much. If you're always on some level going to be betting the teams. Like you're always on some level going to be, you're not going to be like, yeah, I want to, I want to bet this, this team that I think is dog shit as a favorite, even if the number looks good. Right. Cause you're inherently not going to think that number is right because you're like, <laughs> I don't think that team's any good. Um, Jim, when we look at this, how do you kind of approach the idea? I think you, you've got a little bit more of a, of a skepticism towards the recent trends versus kind of identifying some of these matchup situations. Yeah. Well, I think I'm actually like in lockstep with Joe on this one. I, I think he and I both agree that like I, my process is I, I will look, I'll look at game logs. I think that's, you know, you have to start somewhere. I think it's a great place to start, but I, I do have a lot of skepticism for, you know, you'll see some of these discords out there that will, they literally will sell you just last 10 trend data. That That's the starting point. That, that should not be, He's hit an eight out of ten, so yeah, these guys, it's going to happen. No, it's not how it works. If you look, if you zoom out to a season, that's that you're going to see. It's a long season, and there are a lot of stretches that just by chance you'll hit something eight out of ten, and then you know regression's going to come, and you might miss it eight out of ten, or most likely you'll go five out of ten because those those in and of themselves are not predictive. What it is a really good thing of doing is exactly what Joe said. Look and see if there's a reason for for the, that player going over an eight out of 10. See if there's, you know, do a little Google search. See if the coach said, hey, we're trying to get uh, Tyrese Maxey to shoot more from beyond the arc. So, okay, now I'm like, okay, you know, there's some logic there. Maybe this is something that the books think is a little bit of noise, but there's actually some signal there. So that, I think that is honestly the hardest thing about player props because it is so tempting to to, to get caught in the moment. I've done it. It's, it's impossible not to. You're like, oh, this player, they, they, made, they made a leap. They're, they're, they're made, they, their rebounding is, is so much better now. It, it's, it's hard to zoom out, but it's one of the most valuable skills you have because you'll notice if you look at the end of the season and you're, if you're able to go through and you know, use, the, use the Action Network app, track all your bets, if you zoom out, and even if you, you know, you're writing a little logic to yourself you know, in, in the note to kind of at the end of the season kind of go back and assess if you're just writing hit in eight of the last 10, see how many of those actually keep hitting. Cause I, I have not found it to be predictive unless there is a logic 
underneath it. So I think I think it's a great starting point. Um, just don't let it be the only thing that you use for for your your picking process. Timing on props has been a, a tough one for me too. Um, we get lines first, right? Like the books put out, they got a power rating. We'll get a line and a total. Usually, like it's usually line first and then total. Sometimes the total is delayed a little bit if they're waiting on something, and then we'll get a handful of props night before like a baseline set of very basic props. The next morning we'll get a, a fuller set of the top rotation guys. And then basically 30 minutes before tip within the hour before the game is when we get that deep set of props in for the role players, um, which that's a, a I, I follow the course of NBA news and I'm like always on and doing these things. I still have a really hard time, especially I'll be honest on mountain time when it's like, <laughs> I'm in the middle of making dinner and I have to set a note for myself. Hey, you should go see if Obi Toppin has popped up on the props page. Like, I feel like I have to set reminders for myself to go find um, the Anthony Melton, whether or not those props have posted or not. Um, and I'm going to kind of dovetail this with another, another thing I, I brought up in the rundown, which is, these the props are subject i feel like to intense market swings where they get hit and they get hit hard and all of a sudden these things will like we've moved them as a company i've seen like we'll all go in on something and it's up one up two up two juiced and these things move very very quickly so jim how do you kind of balance when you're betting props on a daily basis with these types of windows when things come available when they're not available and how quickly they can move yeah, I agree with you 100%. It, it is a it is a challenge. The the books, as, as is very much their right, don't make it super duper easy. It's not like 7 o'clock Eastern, we're releasing all player props for all day tomorrow, feast away. It, you know, it'll come out, you know, oh, the star player's out now. Uh, half an hour later, we're going to give you a second best player. Uh, two hours later, you're going to get the rest of the starting lineup, but you're still waiting on one team. It's tricky. If you don't have unlimited time, it is very tricky. I'll say this in general, though that I do want to attack these either early or late. Um, I think early is when you're going to get the softest line. Uh, I think late is when you can either react to injury news. If that maybe you're, you're that's the closer you get to tip, there's only so much more time that can go on. You know, there, there's less chaos that can happen in terms of them posting stuff. So late you can get injury news or late you can get, as Matt, you said, the market you know, if it's an NFL side, they're not really looking to balance 50-50. That's one of the the myths that people have debunked. They, they don't care. If they if they think they're on the right side, they'll take 90% of the money on the opposite side. With these kind of more niche markets, I do think there is more of a, we're going to overreact a little bit um, because we don't want to get hit hard on, on one side of these player props. And you can then sometimes, so say, you know, a sharp uh, outlet like Action gives out a play, uh, it moves two and a half points. There is sometimes value to be had on the other side of that. The closer it gets to tip, so if you if you you know if you miss out on the the first number, make sure you go and look and see that 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 second number isn't now way out of whack with what you were thinking originally. Um, because sometimes that you know early and late in the in the squishy middle is I, I find probably the hardest time to play it. But if you can get that opening number, or if you can see if there's value, if it, there's an overreaction, those are the two times that I'm personally going to be. Um, looking looking most at uh, the props market. 
I mean, yeah. almost never is is anyone that I've encountered at least at action or, and really anywhere else in the market gonna be like, yeah, I really like this over twenty three and a half. I like it so much, I would like it at twenty six and a half. No, like it's usually like no, <laughs> I, I like it at twenty three and it's like it, it just like it is with totals yeah. and and sides, right? Where it's like yeah. no, 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 I like it at this number. <laughs> Unless you're Brandon Anderson and you're just like, nope, we're doing alt totals all day long and killing the ROI <laughs> as we go along. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Joe, what are kind of your thoughts on, on how to manage um, the time timing of this? And then I want to kind of dovetail that with a question about um, injuries, but what's your kind of process when, when it comes to when to bet these numbers? I mean, I think Jim's spot on, like, I think you generally want to hit them. They usually come out, say like midnight, 1am Eastern time. Like that's, that's realistically the best time to hit them. Like I hate to say it cause I know a lot of people go to bed, but like that's <laughs> the best time to bet it. Um, or, you know, sometimes you'll get lines at like five in the morning, six in the morning. So those are usually the best times. Like if you're gonna try to get into the market then, but that's, this is part of why I wrote that props piece last year um, with the forecast, because there were a lot of players, the, especially the role players that you just there, you can't really put out actionable, like, writing right like it's hard to write about a player and say like i like this but i have no idea where they're going to open it at um so by doing that though at the beginning of the week you know and you can talk about some players that might have expanded roles for a variety of different reasons i think once you know lineups are popping um it's like you said it's usually about 30 minutes before tip that's when you can really log back in again and say like all right who are the role players these are some guys that i wanted to target but like you said matt you really have to move fast and sometimes you can't line shop the way that you would like to line shop and i hate to say that because i think that line shopping is probably one of the most valuable tools you have as a better but unless you're open on like on your computer, every tab to a different sports book. And even then, sometimes you can actually miss the line because it gets hit so fast, uh, just based on the fact that it's like, well, like I know there's value on this line here at this one book. Um, by the time I go check another book, maybe I lost a little bit of that value because somebody else was already hawking it. So I think that that's definitely an interesting thing. Another thing is, you know, with injuries, sometimes I think people go and they immediately go to bet the total of the side. And I think that that's a decent move. I think that there's a lot more value to just go directly to the player prop market. Because if I know that Giannis is out, I'm going to go hammer Drew Holiday props. Um, just because historically, Drew sees a significant uptick without Giannis on the floor. So I'd rather go and like just hammer that bet. Because a lot of times, 
teams still cover teams still put up points like basketball gets weird because teams sometimes rally around the fact that they're that a player is out and i think that there's a little bit more value if you just go right to the player props page and say like i know this and you know i go to try to find i you know everybody kind of knows there's some slower books out there and you just go to that book immediately and just go embed it because you know that there's an edge to be had yeah again this is one of those struggles where i've got so much going on not only with with work and the shows and the podcasts and um writing and everything else and having like i just i I will totally cop to i i feel like i'm on top of so many things with the nba and injury hits and i i do not have the mental quickness to be like okay what's the cascading effect of this going to be on the props right yeah and uh jim i is some of that with the injuries is it just is it habit and repetition where like you've already gone through and you did it once so you're able to know next time like Joe mentioned like you've mentioned when Embiid's out the pace picks up and so like you're able to find different players like, what's the process for understanding how to make what have to be very quick decisions before these books start adjusting lines following an injury well yeah I think there are ways if you aren't able to live at your computer 24 seven, but really very fast. I want to say, I know Joe said, uh, I know people sleep. I think maybe Joe himself actually doesn't sleep. And that's why he has the time to do all these player props. I always wondered, but him throwing it here, I know people sleep as if like, you know, <laughs> he doesn't himself actually sleep anyway. So I, but I think the way to do it, if you aren't able to catch it in the live moment, which is very challenging to do it. And most people out there aren't able to do I think is you you look one step, two step, three steps further, and, and you kind of you get that really broad picture of, you know, we, we all think, yeah, uh, Giannis is out, Hammer Drew. That's the one that you do first. Then you pause and you think, you say, okay, um, Giannis is out. Let me let me change to Embiid. Maybe Embiid's out. Is that going to make the pace go faster? If the pace goes faster, why don't I look at the top rebounder for the other team? You know, there are ways to. Hit this, hit the markets. If you zoom out a little bit more beyond what is like the most obvious first couple ones, because those are going to be the first one, first dominoes fall, first props to get hit. But if you think about a larger game script with some of these bigger players out, or some of the players who maybe you know, and there are tools out there you can use to find um, to find these things. Like, like there's a, a website, pppstats.com. Great, great site. I've shot them before. And you can see usage for, you know, if a certain player is out and it can maybe be a point guard who isn't, isn't the one, the type that you're going to go and hammer um, another, like it's, it's a, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example of a point guard who's, who's much more pass heavy and isn't going to score a lot of points. So you might think, oh, their, their points, it's not going to really impact the team too much, but you can go and see with that player off, that specific player who on the team their usage goes up who on the usage goes down maybe who whose points were very tethered to that that point guard who's whose weren't as much you you can you can look past just the very obvious first ones they're going to get hit hard and i think there is still value even if you're if you're only able to get there you know an hour or two later obviously make sure that you're you're double checking yourself and you're not you're not you know thinking something didn't move when it did actually move but I do think there is some value if you you zoom out a little bit beyond what is maybe the most obvious first reaction and and think in a, in a broader picture of you know the puzzle pieces all all together. Yeah, I think that's a great point too, Jim. Especially with you know the way the NBA is, we all know about load management, right? So I think that a lot of times you can kind of predict who's going to play, who's going to not play, and how that might 
cascade and like affect the rest of the game. So I know a lot of times when you have, especially like three games in four days, that type of thing, sometimes players sit where you don't necessarily expect them to sit or you, you kind of go into it and you're like, well, their best player is going to play in that big matchup against the Bucks because, you know, that's, that's a big game. And it's like, that's just not how it works. Like you go and you go and try to win the game against the Magic because that's supposed to be an easier game to win. So if you kind of look through things like that, you can find spots where you're saying like, all right, well, maybe this player won't play. Like maybe a Kawhi won't play in this spot. Um, how does that impact the rest of the team? Because they, they're posting lines as if he's going to play. Maybe I like the play even if he does continue to play, but I do think it wouldn't be a huge surprise to see somebody sit in this particular spot given the schedule. Well, and that's a great point. And I think what what's really great with that too is if if you if if the books are able to give you alt lines before like if, I know alt lines come out later typically but if you are in a spot where you think there's a potential load management spot and you can jump on an alt line then you're really giving yourself the you know there's going to be variability if that player plays or doesn't play but if they don't play then you've locked yourself in at you know a nice big juicy plus number that you can almost you know you can play it both ways you could you could try to middle it and and hit their under after the market adjusts to that so i think trying to anticipate load management like joe said is is that's definitely a skill but it's a really valuable one for sure yeah well, I talk all the time about how the perception has always been that injuries are the number one deciding factor in value and on the spreads. And for me, it's been motivation. And it's funny because it's like the same thing is how true for my props bets, where the only ones I've really been able to to do well on is when I know things like um, LeBron had a beef. Tobias Harris, of all people, mild-mannered <laughs> Tobias Harris, said something to LeBron in 2013, and the man has never forgotten it. And every single time LeBron plays Tobias Harris, I've been playing his points and assist overs, and it's been a pretty consistent winner because LeBron is always just going for to- for Toby's neck. Of all people, <laughs> it's the same thing with Embiid where, like, for whatever reason, he just loves kicking the shit out of Nikola Vucevic. Like, he just lives to go to Chicago and destroy Vuce. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But, like, that's where, where Embiid eats. So, like... Just playing overs in that matchup because he seems to have a motivational edge there. Um, well, and that's I one to- I think I could get better about motivation spots. I do think that there are edges to be had there, and I do, I think that's one where I'm a little bit lacking. I, the only spot that I will sometimes look is at rebounds because I think that's the one if you're really fired up. The thing you control most is your ability to get rebounds. It's the one that is tied most to <laughs> the output of your energy. If you you can fire up a lot of shots, and honestly, you may miss a lot because you're you're amped up and you're you're forcing shots and stuff. The rebounds are like the one that if I am highly locked in and highly pissed off, I'm probably gonna to go you know even harder on the glass. So that's the motivation spots I've found. I, I'm not as good as you are, but the motivation spots I've found are the are the rebound overs uh, typically. I need to, we need to I need to start working on a project where we find out uh, we need to track props on national TV games. And see Rondo, player, Rondo TNT. <laughs> yeah, see which players have higher rebound averages on national TV spots. I would bet that the Nuggets are one of those teams. Let's talk about, about juice for a second because the juice in the props market is one of the reasons why I think it's such an intimidating field for me. Um, you know, in, in the rundown, Jim kind of notes like, well, you know, I think that because I kind of questioned the question that I kind of posed was, why doesn't juice matter as much? And Jim's like, it does, uh, question mark. And, um, and he's right. I'm not saying it doesn't, that it doesn't matter. I think more what I'm trying to indicate is typically speaking, 
we don't and i've i've pondered this question a lot of should we bet more minus numbers should we bet more numbers over a minus 150 it's pretty common i feel like in the props market to be like yeah i'm laying one 155 160 on this prop because that's what's in the market or that's what's at my book available versus we wouldn't necessarily do that on even a money line right like we're not touching minus 200 even if we're like well i don't want the number but i should like i i've built into the model this year i've translated it into a win percentage entirely for me to be able to turn that win percentage into a money line to be able to compare and see if i don't like the if i if i find there's a discrepancy between the money line value that's in the market and where i've got on the money line versus the spread i'm just going to play that if i feel like i do like the side but i don't want to mess with 14 and a half or whatever um trying to find not 40 and a half that would be extreme but like you know minus seven and a half or whatever trying to find those values but i do find that with the props market and it being so volatile where it's like some of these props, it's like, yeah, no, uh, his over-under was seven and a half and he had two, you know? And so to lay that much juice in what feels like a very volatile market is off-putting to me, but it's been a pretty common approach. So um, Joe, I want to ask you first, like what's been, what's your approach in terms of looking at the juice on some of these numbers? Sometimes we get nice, tasty plus numbers on them, but a lot of the times we're dealing with minuses. Um, so like, what's your approach on some of that? Yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to the fact that they're all like you kind of mentioned with your with your model, you're tying it to a probability percentage. So I think that that's really the thing that matters the most. So if I'm looking at a matchup and I'm saying like, all right, well, I like this at, you know, let's say it was minus 110, like everything else, right? So I think that it's going to happen more than 52.4% of the time. But if I say like, well, I think it happens 75% of the time, I might not take it up to minus 300. But you know, if I see like a minus 200 or something like that, that like it doesn't necessarily scare me off of it just based on the fact that I think that there's a perceived edge there. Um, one of the things that I do think is important though is especially when you get up to those like higher numbers, right? So when you are at the difference between say 20 to 1 and 50 to 1 is 2.8%, but the payout is you know, more than double. So I think that that's kind of where it matters a little bit where you're saying like, all right, well, the percentages don't align exactly, but your payouts are a lot more. So I think that a lot of times, especially with those alt lines, you see those come down. And I think that that's kind of where you can say like, all right, well, I can't really afford this dart throw because the numbers don't line up right. Um, you know, like I think that maybe they do get 20 rebounds, but I don't think that it's worth this price anymore, um, even though I really like the matchup. So I do think the juice, juice definitely matters. And I always think that it's interesting because sometimes I would rather play, you know, especially with say three point props or points props. I would rather take somebody to get um, maybe an extra three or an extra couple points because I'm getting a better number just based on the way that I see that they score. They're either, you know, going off or they're having bad games. They don't have a lot of games in the middle. So, you know, if somebody's points prop is like 18 and a half, but they're either scoring 25 or 12, I don't want, I don't think that there's a lot of value at the 18 and a half. And I think that there's a lot more value on either an all over or an all under just based on the fact that those are the things that are actually happening. Uh, it's boring podcasting and just say ditto, but I basically agree with everything Joe just said to a T. I'll, I will add uh, the question now. I, I now understand the question, Matt, because I agree with you 100%. It's it's so easy when we see a money line at you know minus 220 to, 
I think it is, it's something, it's like betting human nature to, when you have that handicap of just going to the spread, people, I don't, people don't like to bet minus two twenties. I think, you know, Sean Cirillo in baseball is one of the best at, you know, actually betting those money lines. And for me, getting into this player prop market has actually helped me kind of get over that fear of the minus two twenty because Joe's right. It really is. You're just looking at your, what you think the probability is. And you're looking at what the book has priced as the implied probability and that's it. Now, I agree. You, you don't want to be laying minus a thousands, but sometimes, and but again, that's just kind of human nature. If something should be priced, you know, far, far different, then you should bet it, I guess. Um, but I think you will see some of these, especially in like the, you know, if you're in the steals market, if you're in the threes market, because those numbers are going to be lower, sometimes you will have to bite the bullet and go with a minus 160. And I think it's actually a really good betting practice to get into of just getting into that mindset of, what is the implied probability? What do I believe the improb- implied probability to be? And is there an edge there? Then I should bet it. Joe, teach me a ladder. Teach me the ladder, Joe. I want to understand <laughs> the glory of the ladder. So I'll I'll talk. I'll, I'll, one that I would always like target last year was uh, centers against the Hornets um, because they played really fast. Didn't play a lot of defense. They're just they weren't good. And then Plumlee was just getting cooked, right? So one of the things that I would look at is you know let's say I remember it was Jokic. I did this. I think it was I think it was against the Hornets, but I was Jokic rebounds ladder. So I had him at I think his baseline was twelve and a half, and I took him on as many like rungs up or so to speak as I could up till twenty, and he actually cashed I think twenty in the first half, which was ridiculous, but. <laughs> absurd so mvp <laughs> but not the point so the but the reason the, so what i like about this and like what i like about alternate lines and laddering is that you can really capitalize on a matchup and a perceived edge um i don't think like i think that you can obviously make a lot of money just betting on baselines like if that's all you have available to you you can still make a lot of money doing that right but I think when you look at some of the alt lines, depending on what you see them getting or, you know, like how they performed in a particular matchup before, you can really kind of maximize what you're getting out of being right. So people look at these alt lines, it's like, all right, well, like it's one thing to get over the baseline. Um, but then like certain alt lines is like, well, it's only then like one more or it's two more. So it's, and then you're getting paid like three to four times on the money. Like you're seeing like plus 400. So if you really, really like a matchup and you think that this guy should destroy for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, the pace, the matchup, uh, the head to head against like who they're going to kind of be against or, you know, what the, what the situation is, you can really maximize your return on it. So I think it's really good in, particular matchups. And I think it's really good with players that don't necessarily have a defined role um, or, you know, like they're coming off of an injury or something like that, because then you can say like, all right, well, this person's playing, they just came back off an injury. How is that going to impact? Are you seeing a lower line than that that really should be available? Um, You know, did they get a lot of prep time in beforehand before coming back from injury? What can we expect their minutes to be? Sometimes you see a line that's a little bit too low. So that's the way that I look at it. I think that if you know you like the baseline a lot, it's a way to kind of make more instead of laying like five units on the base. I think that you can, you know, put one, you know, maybe one and a half on the base and then sprinkle, you know, even if it's like a quarter or a point one, something like that on some of these alternate lines and wind up making more with less exposure or so to speak than like a five unit play, because I think that that's poor bankroll management generally. 
Well, and Joe talked about this in his previous answer too, but there's certain players who you're just going to know are more volatile, right? If, if, if we get into Cam Thomas season again and there's a couple of nets out, there's no way the books are going to be able to put – it's going to be – it's a silly number what they would have to put. There are these incredibly volatile players where, you know, a Cam Thomas over 19.5 when there's a couple of players out to injury is, is what the average might be, but you, that's going to be a 40 and a zero. So, you know, if you're going to get a 40 and a zero, why not bet to get the, you know, plus 800, plus 1200 on a, you know, to score 35? Because it, it the books can only act so illogically, whereas players can play completely illogically. They can have the extreme variance. So lean into that as a better. Uh, and I'll say, I'll, you know, organic plug, bet the WNBA because they the books don't bake this in nearly enough for the WNBA. They do bake it in a little bit for the NBA, for sure. Um, but there are just those players that are hard to price right. Yeah, I, I think I think you, you're spot on with my that. Last question. That was going to be my last question for you. Oh, about the W? <laughs> was like, how, like, how much do you think you specifically are responsible for the sharpening of, of player prop lines in the WNBA? Because <laughs> Wuckets has destroyed the entire season um, based off of that. How, what's the market like in the WNBA on these player props? It's definitely a lot sharper. I think uh, I definitely will not take soul credit. There are some really good uh, WNBA betters out there. And there's some good tools for the WNBA too, but it's still incredibly profitable. <laughs> um, so definitely make sure you are out there betting the W. But the, 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 the point remains, whatever sport it is, you can even bring it to baseball. You can bring it to football. There are players who perform in ways that are very hard for logical books to really pin down. And that's where those alts are really, really valuable if you can pin down those players. All right, that's going to wrap it up for Buckets for a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. My thanks to Joe DeLera and Jim Turvey. You can follow them both in the Action Network app and on Twitter. Make sure to follow us on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash action network to find out more about us and watch all the different shows as well. Download the Action Network app. My thanks to David Payne, our producer, and our cadre of video producers for helping produce this podcast for YouTube. We'll be back on Thursday as we start the awards circuit, starting off with Defensive Player of the Year. I have no idea what I'm going to be recommending on Thursday's show. I'm excited for it. <laughs> uh, we'll get into that starting on Thursday. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have yourselves a great week. Until then... Get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.